Hey guys, hey, good to see you this morning. We understand that there's probably some problems going on with the audio right now. Our tech team is working on that. We're doing all we can to fix that right now. Just sometimes that's what happens. Welcome to the power of live streaming. Sometimes things just don't go right. Everything is set up like it's always been set up, so we don't understand why it's doing that. It could be an issue on our end. It could be an issue on Facebook's end. At the end of the day, man, I'm going to stand up here and preach because now that I'm on stage, I have no idea if something's working or not working, and I got all the confidence in the world that if we can figure it out, we'll figure it out. Man, we are in the fourth week of a series that we've been calling weird. Well, we're looking at things from the Word of God that fly in the face of the way our society processes things. Well, we've talked about love a lot during this series. We've talked about the power of loving your enemies. We've been talking about a God who loves us no matter what we do, what we've been through, and we've just been talking on this subject of love because there's probably nothing more weirder than love. Love is just that concept that it, we just can't fully grasp the biblical concept of love. We have that concept of that we love when it benefits us, that we love when someone does something for us, but the Bible comes along and says, man, I want you to love people no matter what. And Gary, that sounds great. We're supposed to love, but at the end of the day, how do we love? We got to get to the point where we're saying how do we love? And that's what I want to answer today. How do we truly love people? I, Gary, I get the Bible says I'm to love people. I get that Jesus says I'm to love people. I get that God loves me no matter what. But at the end of the day, how do we truly love people? It, it sounds simple, but it isn't. We like to think we're loving but most of the time, we love people based on they look like us, they act like us, they think like us. All anybody has to do is get on social media for about five minutes and realize there's a lot of things going on in our society, but love is not one of them. I, I've been famous for years and actually taken a lot of grief over the years for saying, man, I really just don't like people. And I get that's not the most pastoral thing to say, and I get that it offends a lot of people. We've actually even had people leave our church over the years because they're like, man, the pastor gets up on stage and says he just doesn't like people. But something's happened in my life over the last few years, and I begin to realize, man, that that's a miserable way to live. It's a miserable way to live when I only love people based on what I can get out of them or what they do for me. It's so much more work to hate as opposed to love. And let's be honest, it goes against everything that comes naturally to us. But like so many different things, we've got to quit operating in the natural and we've got to operate in the supernatural. It's hard to love someone when they're a jerk to us. It's hard to love someone when they're simply not a good person. It's hard to love someone when they keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. It's hard to love someone when they're just flat out an a-hole. Sometimes it's just hard to love certain people. It's hard to love someone who's hurt us, hurt someone that we love. It's hard to love someone who's betrayed us. It's hard to love someone who's an Alabama fan. I mean, let's just be honest today. There's some people that it's hard to love. Now, on the other side of that, it's easy 
for me to love people who are beneficial to me. It's easy to love people who are loyal to me. It's easy for me to love people who are there for me. But it's hard to love everybody. Yet over and over and over in Scripture, we see the command, and the command is to love. I I didn't want to preach on this today. I didn't want to get down to the nitty-gritty of this today. But as I was in my personal time throughout this series, this story kept coming back over and over again. Matter of fact, I went to Phil a couple of times and said, I'm going to preach on this only to change it at the last minute. I did everything I could to avoid talking about the how to love because here's the deal. If, If I wanted to know how to do it, that once I know how to do it, excuse me, that means I've got to implement it in my life. The Bible says to him to know it, to do it good and do it not, it is sin. So once I learn how to do something, I live by the expectation of applying that to my life. And the reality is if we don't learn how to love, we simply don't live. Love is a missing ingredient in our society today. We excel in hate. We excel in dislike, but we struggle when it comes to love. Again, all you got to do is jump on your Facebook timeline real quick, and you'll see that everybody's full of piss and vinegar. If they're not arguing over politics, they're arguing over when we should reopen our country. They're arguing over whether or not the virus is real or not. Those with jobs are arguing with those that don't have jobs. It's just a time in our day where people love to be full of piss, and they love to be full of vinegar, and there's not a lot of love going on. I mean, check out the church. Everyone knows what the church is against, but very few people know what the church is for. Rest assured, they know what we hate, but they don't know that we're for a God who loves them. The church has done a great job of loving conditionally. If you believe like we and you act like we and you have the same morals we have and you love the same people we think you ought to love and you have this same skin color and you're this same social standing, man, hey, we love that, but we're against anybody who thinks different than us. (laughs) There's a great story in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus is doing his thing, and as always, anytime Jesus was doing his thing, the religious leaders of the day are going to come out against him. Does that not sound like the day that we live in, when the church is out doing what it should be doing, when the church is out acting and looking a whole lot like Jesus, it's never the unchurched who criticize it, it's always the religious who come along and criticize it. And the religious were always trying to get Jesus off track. So Jesus doing his thing, the religious come along and they begin to drill Jesus with some questions. And in Luke 10, it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How how do you read it? I, I love Jesus and how Jesus is about to answer them. Hey, Jesus, I know you're out healing people, and I know you're out bringing good things about, but, 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 but what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Tell me the deeds I must do. Tell me the things that I must do. What hoops must I jump through to get eternal life, Jesus, because they lived in a time and day where it was a work-based religion. The guys were getting cocky as they came to Jesus. But I love how Jesus answered them. He said this. He answered, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and then he throws the curveball. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) You have answered correctly, Jesus said, do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? See, Jesus comes along and says, you got to love God with everything that is in you. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was all about the love, but as always, the religious were doing everything in their power to trip him up. So, hey, that's cool. i got to love God. Check. i got to love my neighbor. That's cool. Who's my neighbor? The person who looks like me, the person who acts like me, the person who lives next to me. Hey, Jesus, cool. I'm down with that. The guy's getting cocky right now. Love my neighbor? No problem. I I love the people that I know. My neighbor, my family, my friends, my peeps. Hey, hey, I get that, Jesus. Man, that's easy. I love those people, but Jesus is about to come along and drop a truth bomb on them. He's about to give them a lesson in what loving completely means. What I dig about Jesus is, is he always takes the thoughts of the religious and takes them to a whole nother level. He, He launches into a story. This is why Jesus was such a pimp, man. He came along, he didn't just give answers, he gave stories. And there was so much biblical meaning in these stories. He he was kind of like Yoda before there was a Yoda. Hey, who's my neighbor, Jesus? Well, let me tell you a little story. Just sit on back and let me talk to you for a minute. And Jesus launches in to this story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by to the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by to the other side. Let me set this scene up for you real quick. A dude is on a traveling path. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. If you were to ever study this out, you would see this was a very rough patch of road. It was known for high crime, and and those that traveled it knew there was a really good chance they were going to get robbed, beaten, left for dead. There was only certain times you traveled this road. You never traveled this road alone because it was a curvy road, and the the, uh, bad guys, the robbers, could hide out in in the nooks, and they could expose themselves to you very quickly. It was just a dangerous road. So this man's traveling this road. He gets beaten up. He gets jumped. He gets robbed of everything that he has. He gets stripped down to nothing, and he's left there for dead. The Bible says, the Bible says he was a Samaritan man, and we'll get to that in a minute. But as he's laying there about to die, don't miss this, as he's laying there about to die, two religious leaders, a priest and a Levite, see the man And they both pass him by. Isn't that amazing today? The two dudes you would think would have stopped and helped the man saw him and they pass him by. Can I just rant for a minute? 
Some things never change. As I look at the landscape of our church today, as I look at the landscape of the big church across North America, I got to be honest with you today. I don't have a lot of confidence that the church would have stopped and helped this man. It, it seems like we live in a day and time where the church cares about everything and anything but about the broke, busted, and disgusted. Here's this man. He's got hurts, habits, and hangups, and he's laying on the side of the road, and the church is walking him by. I feel like we live in a day and time where the church is much more interested in being cool than it is helping the least of these. We live in a day and time where the church is much more concerned about the offering than it is about the least of these. We live in a day and time where the church is much more concerned about our buildings than he is the least of these. We live in a day and time where the church is much more concerned about nickels and noses than it is about the least of these. But the reality is they don't care about the fact that their communities are full of hurting people, beat down people, people who are ready to give up on life, people who are doing all they can to keep it together. And the church ought to be reaching out to those people that church ought to be the ER for the hurting, and instead we're a country club for the already convinced. This man, he's on the side of the road. He has no hope. He's about to die. He feels like he's been left for dead. Somebody comes along, I imagine, through his beat-up eye. He looks up and sees it's a priest, and for a second he has a glimmer of hope. The priest sees him and walks on by, and he begins to feel dejected. He looks up again, he sees the Levite coming, another religious leader, and he begins to have hope again. And the Levite crosses over to the other side and passes him by, ignoring him, because God forbid the religious leaders actually got their hands dirty. If we're going to be the church that God created us to be, it's going to take the people in this room to decide and love the way we're instructed to love. This Jewish man's laying there, and the last person he ever thought would help him along the path was a Samaritan man who's about to come along. I said earlier there was a Samaritan laying there. It was a Jew laying there. But now the Samaritan man is about to come along. The Jewish man's laying there. The priest has passed him by. The, Le the Levite has passed him by. And here comes a Samaritan man. The Bible says, but a Samaritan. You say, what's significant about that? I'm going to show you here in a minute. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and pouring on wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus turns to the religious leaders and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of a robber? The experts of the law the one, replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. This man's beaten down and only one man, the least likely of the men, that you would have thought helped him, came along and understood the principle of loving completely. He, he understood the principle of loving unconditionally. He understood to, to the, the principle of loving regardless of what you can get in return. You need to understand something about this. This was scandalous for this day. 
for a Samaritan man to come along and help a Jewish man in every sense of the word was scandalous. <laughs> in order to love completely, sometimes it's got to be scandalous. We don't see social standing to love people. We don't see skin color to love people. We don't see religious beliefs to love people. We can't see lifestyle choices to love people. We don't love because we get something in return. We don't love because they love us. We love no strings attached, expecting nothing in return, and we do it very simply for one reason and one reason only. That is how Jesus expects us to love. And that's easier said than done. You say, Gary, that sounds great, and I wish I was that type of person who could love unconditionally. But there's people that have wronged me, people that have hurt me, people that have wronged those that I love or ripped off those that I love. They've done stuff to my children. They've done stuff to my spouse. How, Gary, do we love those people? Well, as you go through this story, you're going to see three principles that we can put into place. You're going to see three principles that we can put into action. And when we put them into action, it allows us to no longer talk about loving people, but it allows us to start demonstrating that love to people. To love completely, you've got to put it into action. Talk is cheap when it comes to love, but action is everything. So here's this Jewish man on the side of the road. Here comes this Samaritan man. And what did the Samaritan man do? The first thing he did is he allowed himself to truly see the man. Write that down if you're home today. Screenshot your phone if you're home today because you're going to want to go back, especially if I'm still doubling up. I don't know if I am or not. We're just up here shucking the corn either way, baby. you got to truly see the man. This is a huge principle. <laughs> the priest saw the man and crossed over to the other side of the road. The Levite saw the man and he passed him by. The Samaritan man, though, saw him and he truly saw the man. He saw the problems the man was dealing with. He saw the wounds. He saw his condition. He saw somebody in need. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The priest and the Levite saw a problem. The Samaritan saw a person. The problem with so many of us loving people that we deem unlovable is we look at them as a problem and no longer as a person. The first two men were distracted. They were preoccupied. They were agenda-driven. They, they were too busy in their own being self-absorbed that they could not see the man in need. But the Samaritan man, as he's walking down the road, he, he saw a man and knew that at the end of his life, he would answer for whether or not he reached out and he loved unconditionally. He had a chance to love. Don't miss this. He saw a chance to love, and he wasn't willing to allow that chance to pass him by. Listen, life is simpler not to see. Life would be so much easier to ignore the person and focus on the problem. When you start seeing people, I got to be honest with you today, when you start seeing people and you start seeing their needs and you start seeing their hurts, it, it becomes a hassle in life. It's dirty. There's risk involved. You might get burned by that situation. You might get hurt by that situation. When we begin to see people instead of problems, there's risk involved in that situation. There's cost. There, there's commitment that is involved. 
But you cannot love people until you start seeing people. Seeing all people. It's easy to point out their mess-ups, and it's easy to focus on their flaws, and it's easy to focus on their bad qualities. But Jesus comes along and says, man, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves." The religious leader said, that's easy. Who's, the, who's our neighbor, the guy who lives next door to me? And Jesus comes along and says, mankind is the neighbor. Every single breathing person, every single person who's alive, regardless of whether they believe like you, look like you, act like you, those people are your neighbor. And I got to confess something to you here today. For whatever reason, we've been blessed in our building that a lot of um, semi-famous people, if you will, are in our building at different times. We've had Different people in our building shooting uh, movies. We have a, a certain band that's known all over the country that practices in our band. And, and every time that they're in our building, everybody gets on social media. Everybody wants to come down to the building where they can see these people and meet these people and they get excited. And, and I'm guilty of it too, man. I post it. I want people to look who's in our building today. And here's the reality. While I'm glad that person is here, and while we created this church for that person to be here too, we ought to get just as excited no matter who walks through the doors of our church. We ought to get just as excited the first time a homeless person walks through the doors of our church, the first time an addict walks through the doors of our church, the first time a person who's given up on church walks through the doors of our church. The problem is we don't see people, we see problems, <laughs> We don't notice when those that are hurting walk through the doors because we're too busy focused on ourselves. We're too busy on our own world. We're too busy doing our own things. We're handling our own problems. But if we're going to be the church that loves people, we've got to realize every person is a person worth loving. The, the Samaritan interrupted his schedule. He knew this was a dangerous road. Chances are he was trying to get off the road before nightfall came. Chances are real good by stopping and helping this Jewish person, he put himself behind. Matter of fact, he put himself at risk because what if somebody else would have come up on the Samaritan man helping the Jewish man? They might have accused the Samaritan of doing what happened to the Jew actually to him. He, he ran the risk of this, but he didn't care. He ran the risk when he showed up at the innkeeper and said, take care of this man. He ran the risk of the innkeeper reporting him. But he didn't care. He saw somebody in need, and when somebody's in need, he knew they needed love. He had seen this man's condition, and leaving this man behind was not an option. What will happen when we start seeing people as people? You know the next thing that happened that I see? If you're going to love people right where they are, if you're going to love people unconditionally, not only do you allow yourself to truly see those people, you've got to accept those people. He accepted the man as he was. Check it out, verse 33, Luke 10. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. But a Samaritan, now you need to understand this. You can't gloss over this. This is huge. This dude was a Samaritan. The Bible very clearly states who he is for the power of the story to become a cross. This dude who was laid out was a Jew. You need to understand something. The Jewish people of the day hated, hated 
the Samaritans. The Samaritans in their minds were half-breeds. They were half-Jews, half-Samaritans. When Israel was in captivity, these were the men or the women who married their captors and had children with them. In this century, the Jews believed that if you had anything to do, anything to do with a Samaritan, you, you were equivalent of someone who had something to do with eating pig or eating pork or eating the flesh of swine. There were actually prayers in the Jewish synagogue during this period that asked God not to give forgiveness or grace to the Samaritans. I, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty strong level of hate. Hey, God, forgive me, but don't forgive those people because, man, they're different than me. Forgive me, but don't forgive those people. They don't look like me, believe like me. It was a strong hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. Yet that didn't stop this guy from loving it didn't stop this guy from seeing this person. It didn't stop. He didn't walk over there and see that he was a Jewish person and continue to walk on. He saw him as a person. You're never going to love people, don't miss this, that are different than you until you accept them for who they are. So many of you accept them with stipulations. So many times the church is so busy trying to change people instead of loving people. If you want to truly love people, you can't allow your love to be conditional. The Bible says in Romans 15, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, we love to put conditions to our love. We love to put stipulations to our love. When they act the way we think they ought to act, we love them. When they believe the way we think they ought to believe, we love them. When we think that they ought to um, look the way we think they ought to look, we love them. But when you're accepting people, accepting is when you stop trying to change someone. Don't miss this. Accepting is when you stop trying to change someone and you love them just the way they are. The Samaritan came along and he saw that person and he was broken over the person. He didn't see nationality when he saw the person. He didn't see color of skin when he saw the person. He didn't see religious beliefs when he saw the person. He saw somebody who was hurting and needed love in his life. Can I tell you one of my goals at Action Church? One of my goals is that we would be the most diverse church in all the county. I want to see black people worshiping next to white people, worshiping next to Spanish people. I I want to see old worshiping next to young. I want to see straight worshiping next to gay. I want to see rich worshiping next to homeless. I want to see seasoned Christians worshiping next to people who don't even believe there's a God. I want diversity in our church because I want all people of all races and all social standing and all sexual preferences to know, hey, at 271 Marietta Road, you can go down there and they're going to love you right where you are. I want us to see people together and not labels. The Samaritan didn't see a Jew. He saw a person and he accepted that person. I just think that's how it ought to be. That doesn't even mean we always have to approve of the actions of everyone who comes through our doors. It just means we love them. It's so easy for us to be judgmental. What I've learned is, is we judge people based on our sins. We judge people, and we don't judge people who sin just like we sin, because that would be too much conviction for us. We judge people who don't agree like we agree or believe like we believe, and it makes us feel better. Who put us as the authority in that situation? We simply need to love people. 
Christians are the worst. The church is the worst at judging the rights and wrongs of people. I love the quote that Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said when Bill Clinton was going through all his mess, he came along and he prayed alongside Bill Clinton, and the press came out, and the church, excuse me, the church came out and began to bash Billy Graham for ministering to Bill Clinton. I love what he said. He said, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's my job to love. It's my job to love. Can I tell you something today? Who am I to not accept somebody in their life when God accepted me in my life? When God accepted me in the midst of my muck, in the midst of my mire, in the midst of my poor choices, in the midst of my selfishness, in the midst of my ego taking over, in the midst of me operating in the flesh. When God looks down and says, man, I love you just like you are. Who in the hell am I not to look at somebody else and say, man, I can't love you. We've got to accept people right where they are. The problem with the church is the church is too busy trying to cleanse people, clean people up instead of just loving people right where they are. Here's the deal. The doors of Action Church have always been open to anyone. Why? Because it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It is simply our job to love. And that's just one of those hills I'll die on. I hope right now that the the audio is still repeating because I want it to repeat that twice in your face. It's our job to love. Nothing else, nothing more. It's not our job to judge. And so many people won't even open the doors, won't even step in the doors of a church because they feel judged for the life they've lived or the actions that they're taking. Instead of walking through the doors of the church and the church saying, man, welcome home. We got to get this fixed if the church is going to be the church that it should be. If God can love them, scratch that. If God can love me, who am I not to love somebody else? But Gary, you, you don't know about this person. You don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But I know God loves you and we're to love other people. Quit looking at them by their actions and see them as a person. Accept them for who they are. And the last thing, and I'm done and we're going to get out of here today, is we see the Samaritan came along and he acted on his love. It's one thing to talk about helping people. It's like we live in a day and time. Let me tell you my little hobby horse issue right now. What social media has allowed people to do is talk about helping people and help nobody. Nowadays, we think we've helped a cause or we think we've done something if we simply share a status update pointing out a need. It's funny to me. I saw recently a huge need in the community. It was a legit need, and the need had over 3,000 shares on Facebook. Over 3,000 people had shared. But when you actually clicked on the link, only seven people had taken action on what had been shared. It's easy to talk about loving people. It's easy to preach on loving people. It's easy to come up with ideas on how to love people. It's a whole nother story when you got to take those words and put them into action. The Samaritan didn't just see the man. He didn't just accept the man. He acted on his love towards the man. The Bible says he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He went to the man the priest walked by, and he went to the man the Levite walked by, and he bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey. Instead of riding, this man said, I'll walk, and I'll pull this man along with me. He brought him to an inn. He brought him to the Motel 6, and he took care of him. The next day, he took out money out of his pocket. He took two denarii, and he gave it 
to the innkeeper. He looked after this man, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for extra expense you may have. This man didn't think about loving. This man didn't just talk about loving. He put his love into action. And in every sense of the word, the word love is a verb. It's an action verb. It is an action that we take. If love is simply a word and not an action in your life, then you don't understand love. It sounds great. I don't know a preacher anywhere that doesn't preach on love. I don't know a preacher anywhere that doesn't believe in love. I don't know a church anywhere that will tell you they don't love people. But when the proof is in the pudding, are their actions dictating that they love people or are they loving themselves? Are they loving those inside their four walls? Are are they loving the the mansions that they're building outside of town because they no longer want to be in town where things might be a little broke, busted, and disgusted? Hey, it's easy to talk about love. It's a whole nother story to put into action. The Samaritan man didn't just notice the dude laying there. He acted on it. I mean, look at all the things that he did. He went to the dude. He bandaged up the dude. He put the guy on his donkey. He took him to a hotel. He left the hotel manager money, told the hotel manager, if it's not enough money, I'll be back through. He did everything he could do to prove his love. My wife says all the time, don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. It's easy to utter the words love because as you've heard me say it every week of this series, our language is very limited. The word love can mean so many different things, man. I love technology. I love pizza. I love Guns N' Roses. I love my children. I love my wife. I love all of those things, but when I use the word love, they all have different meaning. The word love is a very limiting word to use But when you put that love into action, it comes alive. The church ought to be the church. Man, all this chaos that is going on in the church not being able to gather together right now has never been a greater opportunity for the church to show that we are more than a Sunday morning service. It's never been a greater opportunity for the church to show, man, we are more than just our technology. It has never been a greater time for the church to show, man, we are more than just our offerings. We are more than just our buildings. Because here at the end of the day, this is just a building that hosts a gathering. At the end of the day, we are are the church, and we're out in the community. And instead of us getting frustrated and irritated and trying to be the Facebook police, we ought to just be loving people right where they're at. It's been amazing to see all the different views on how our country could do. And I've got to where I look at those people, no matter what their view, I go back to the root of what's going on in their life, and I can see how the root of what's going on in their life is producing their worldview. And there's how can I get mad at that? I don't know what's going on in their life, but when I take the time out to love It's an amazing thing. The church ought to be meeting needs right now. See a need, meet a need. That ought to be the philosophy of the church. It ought to be feeding people and clothing people and doing whatever it can to meet people right where they are. I can say without a doubt the one thing that I am the most proud of of Action Church during this time is the only thing that has stopped at Action Church is the gathering of people. The ministry is still going on. Those that are hurting are still getting needs met. We're still feeding people. We're still doing everything we can, not to have church, but to be church. And that's a huge difference in our society. It's one thing to talk about love. 
It's another thing to act on love. So the last couple of weeks, very quickly, we've been talking about loving. We've talked about loving your enemies. We've talked about the fact that God loves us, and all of that sounds really good, but I wanted to give you some rubber-hits-the-road things and give you some practical things that we do. In order to love people, what do we got to do? We got to see people. Quit seeing problems and start seeing people. We've got to accept people right where they are. Quit trying to change people and love them right in the middle of their mess. Love them right in the middle of their mess. you got to catch a fish before you clean it. Then act on that love. The church has a great opportunity right now to demonstrate the love of Jesus like it never has before. My challenge to you watching, because so many people are watching this message who don't attend Action Church, awesome, man. Welcome to the chaos that is Action Church. I hope you take this message and you put it back into your life at the church you go to. I hope you put it back into the life of the community you live in. I hope you put it back into the home that you live in. Imagine if a group of people rose up during this time and said, man, we're simply not going to operate in fear. We're going to operate in faith, and we're going to operate in faith by loving people. I get it, man. It's a stressful time right now. You're, listen, I understand money's tight. Uncertainty's there. Some of you don't know if you've got jobs to come back to. Some of you don't know if you're going to get paid again and when you're going to get paid again. Some of you don't know if you're about to lose your cars and lose your house and the kids are driving you crazy and you could even be living with someone who you didn't want to be living with before this and now you're trapped in the home with them. I get it. It is uncertain times. Trust me. Trust me emotionally, some of you right now are like that Jewish man on the side of the road. You've been beaten up, kicked. I get it. I'm in a room right now full of people that are going through the same thing. Let me scratch that. I'm in a room full of five people before you report me. I'm in a room full of five people, and I know for a fact some of those people are going through the same things I'm going through. There's a lot of fear. Scratch that. There's a lot of uncertainty in their life right now. But they're doing their best to live by faith. And when you live by faith, by demonstrating love, it's amazing you quit focusing on your problems and you start focusing on other problems, how my problems seem to work themselves out. When I begin to focus on loving other people, it's amazing how God just comes into my life and begins to work things out for good. It's amazing when I quit worrying about what's going on in my life and I worry about letting God use me to love other people, how God sends someone else into my life to love me in my mess right where I am. I can tell, man, tempers are getting quick and and we're getting agitated a lot easier. What if we just step back and we breathe? We become like that Samaritan man and we love people right where they are. I believe we change our country during this time. Let's pray.